episode 46 of the Glass of Joe podcast. As always, with PJ Glasser, I'm Joe Malf, and we're joined right out of the gates this time by Ryan Warmly, not in an official Ravens contributor capacity, in a we were talking about something in our group chat and need to settle it on the podcast capacity. Uh, this week is a good week to get into some offshoot conversations because last week we teed up the final stretch of the NBA season, the final stretch of the NHL season. Uh, we don't really have anything major right now. We, we Next week's the NFL draft, we'll get into that breakdown. Next week, we'll dabble in it a little bit later in the show, but it's a good week for offshoot conversations. And the one we want to start with, because we were debating this, top five days in the sports calendar. And the one exception that we want to lay out right now, the first round of the NCAA tournament counts as one day because that thing just blurs together. So best five days on the sports calendar. It's a very hot topic of conversation. And Worm, I'm going to start it with you. We're going to go, we're going to go around the horn. Worm, PJ, me, counting down from five to one for each of our lists. Okay, here is my, my one and only question going into this. Do you want my honorable mentions now, or do you want me to save them so it doesn't spoil what's save not Save the other? honorable mentions for the end. Mm-hmm. You would have honorable mentions like when we did our Pixar list, and you <laughs> had five plus like seven honorable mentions. Yes. Uh, so save them for the end so there are no spoilers. That, that's basically what I have here. But I'm going to start <laughs> off with one that I know PJ is going to hate right off the bat. Um, and this is really ties into like sort of why I am a fan and what I get most passionate about in my fandom. Um, whatever your most important fantasy league is, football, baseball, whatever the most important league is, that draft day is like one of my favorite days of the entire year. I remember one year I was um, it, for fantasy baseball, it was over spring break and my family was flying back from our vacation on draft night and I couldn't draft and I was despondent. Like it was one of the worst <laughs> nights ever because I couldn't help craft this fantasy team that I was so looking forward to, to managing over the course of the year. So, so for me, it's usually fantasy baseball for others. It might be football, but whatever your most important fantasy league is that draft day is, is an all time day for me every year. Well, you crafted a team in our baseball league that has put up seven points and it's Friday morning this week. Okay. Let's not leave out the fact that I'm two and O going into this week. So it's not actually that bad. It's just a, it's just a circle hall of fame, bad luck week. Yeah. I'm two and O as well. And I have like 140 going into Friday. You have seven. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a big time yikes I, I can't i can't defend it worms turning into the orioles he started out hot now <laughs> here comes the uh here comes what we all expected i'm sticking with the theme of worm but i'm going regular draft which is coming up uh next week first day of draft night of the nfl day two is is good because you still know a lot of the guys but it still kind of drags on a little bit because it's five hours instead of the four and then day three is really once it gets into the fifth sixth seventh round I don't really care too too much but day one of draft night with all the trades and all the speculation and really for the last two three months I mean you, you get to know every prospect who could go in the first round so it's exciting to see where they go um and now that we are going to have some normalcy with players returning to the draft and Roger Goodell just got cleared to hug some of the he players. Did, so so <laughs> we're getting some uh, normalcy back. So I do love day one of draft night. That is my number five. All right. So worms five is actually one of my honorable mentions is that draft night. That is, that is a good call. I didn't think nice. anybody else would say it. Um, it's gotten to the point though, for me that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm in so many leagues with so many friends that it's, tough to like parse through them all so i can't really put it in my top five but well, uh, well let, let me ask you this before we move on from that one do you ever do live drafts like where you're all in the same room as we, your friends we always try to um it's tougher since college and since then we've gotten jobs in different places mm-hmm. so whoever is still locally they all try to get together and whoever is not will facetime in so we it is always a good time because that 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 changes it. I do an auction draft every year with uh, the guys I play softball with. But we'll we'll just pick one game night where after the games we'll go to somebody's house. You know, we drink the the you know well we'll bring a lot of food potluck style, and we just we actually order like the big board. We put up the stickers. Everything. It's always a good time, and, and that actually does make it like I think that raises it like fifteen percent more. I love in person drafts. Those are those are a lot. Absolutely, of fun. my yes. dad's fantasy football league. Uh, I joined it when I was in like eighth grade because there was an open spot last minute and I needed somebody. I've been in it ever since. We always used to have a draft at the house. I look forward to that day every year. Uh, but then again, since then, like some people moved away. 
I went to college, so we haven't always had it in person. And now with COVID this past year, so we hope yeah. to get it back in person uh, for next year or the year after. But that is always a good time. So it's an honorable mention for me. Uh, I actually do agree with PJ. Number five for me is the NFL draft and just the first round. It's so weird, you know, looking across all the other leagues of, you know, why so much emphasis is put on a day where names are read off by the commissioner, but it changes everything because more so I feel like than any other sport, I don't really think there's much argument about this more so than any other league. The NFL's draft is the most important draft out of all of them Uh, in the MLB. You're not seeing some of those guys for four or five years in the NBA. There's two rounds and outside of the top five picks because it's a star driven league. Who cares? You know, maybe you find a diamond in the rough. You get a, a Giannis who's picked in just outside the lottery or at the end of it. I don't remember who um, blossoms into a superstar, but there's really no hype around it. The NFL, a team with 50 plus guys, it's built entirely through this. And obviously with the way the cap structure is and this and that, and because college football is so big and we love college football, it is truly an event. And again, it's just a, a commissioner reading names, but there's so much that goes into it. There's so much excitement. Uh, and it's, it's definitely one of the most exciting days of the year. There's no game actually played. And it's the only one on my list in which there's no game actually played. But it's just so much around it. So that is number five for me. So I, I actually have the NFL draft round one as my number four. So I actually have two on my list with games not being played, which when I sat down to make my list, <laughs> I was sort of, sort of did a double take. It's not going to surprise you guys after our whole saga with the NCAA tournament this year. But I, I sort of just like what Joe was saying, the anticipation uh, is, is really a lot of fun. It's And people like liken it to, you know, waking up Christmas morning, you have all these new presents under the tree. You, you have all these new players that you get to root for. For me, I really went back and forth. I love the stretch from April to June with NFL, MLB, NBA draft back to back to back over this course of a couple of months. I really love just draft season in general and all of those. And the reason I went with NFL, even though baseball is, is more my favorite sport, is with the baseball draft, I care a lot about the teams that are picking the players, but I don't really follow college baseball that closely. So I only really know the players at the top when the O's are picking at the top. So like I know the class this year really well because the O's are picking top yeah. five. But if they weren't, you know, I'm not really paying that close attention. You yeah, got your Kumar Rocker and your Jack Leiter scouting tape Exactly. Already. By the way, I've been in on Jack Leiter way before everybody else was. That, that, that's been my guy for years. But um, <laughs> And, and then the NBA draft is the opposite. I, I watch a lot of college basketball, so I know the players really well, but I just don't care as much about the actual league. The NFL is the right balance between them where I know the players pretty well and I care a lot about all the teams. It's just a very like universally appreciated day. So I actually have that number four just to spot ahead. And again, guys. it's a sport with so many, so many positions, so many different needs. Um, and, and you see guys all the time picked outside of the first round who become superstars mm-hmm. for their teams. In the NBA, like, again, it's two rounds. It's a superstar-driven sport. So even this past year, like, people were down on this past draft because it was like, oh, Edwards is good and Wiseman's good and LaMelo's good, but I don't think any of those three guys can be superstars. So, like, everybody was down on the draft because those guys could only be really good but not great in people's opinions. Like, that doesn't happen. You know, the Ravens could take a a linebacker from Texas Tech in round four, and he's a – Hall of Famer by year three. Like, and I will look probably at trust Leonard him for to the be Colts. very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at Darius Leonard for the Colts. I mean, he was taken not in the first round from a very small school that no one had probably ever heard of, and now he's the best linebacker in the NFL. So that's what makes it so exciting. Also, just real quick, we didn't mention the trades, but that makes it so much more fun as well to imagine like what teams could do. Do the Ravens want to move down again this year? Could they move up and try and grab a receiver? P- PJ like mentioned that. the trades, so, so it's fun. glad to know you're listening I did. to this rationale. Yeah. Thanks. No, I, I meant in picking between the different drafts, like like baseball doesn't okay. have tra- trading and NFL does. And that that's something that puts it over the top for me. Um, my number four is also football themed. We all agree, the three of us, that Super Bowl week is overrated. When your team's playing in it, it's by far the best week I of the year. I wouldn't know. But, well, it is. It's very, it's lovely. But uh, when they aren't, it's just, you know, it's overrated day. I know both of you like championship week probably the best. The difference between... Uh, between divisional week and championship week and why divisional is my number four is because why have two games when you can have four games and you have every team in the divisional round is either won a playoff game 
or now it's the two best teams in the league that are both getting buys. I just, I love that week of football. It's always good. It seems like you always get an upset. And if not an upset, you get an instant classic of a game. And it's really the most vulnerable a team can be. I mean, we saw the Chiefs very easily could have lost that game to the Browns. Obviously, the Ravens a couple of years ago lost to the Titans in that round. Green Bay, when they were 15-1, and lost to the Giants in that round. So I just love the combination of great teams, upsets, the fact that you get two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. So like with March Madness, I kind of meshed it together into one day, but I do love the, uh, the divisional weekend as my number four. Uh, for me, number four, I know it's not going to be on Worm's list and it's going to be higher on PJ's list is Sunday at Augusta for me is number four. Uh, again, like I really enjoy golf. It's not my favorite as it is PJ's or among PJ's favorites. Um, but that day is just special. We were texting this this year. Special. PJ. special. <laughs> yeah. We won't say a word about this one, but PJ, I, I trust you. I just don't know, don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. PJ, we were texting like even this, this past masters, like it seemed like it was going to be kind of a dud on Sunday with no real, you know, fight to the finish. But Again, like we had Steve Sands talking about last week, there's just the ghosts of that course that haunt people as you turn to the back nine, and all of a sudden Matsuyama puts one in the drink, and it's back to a two-stroke lead and was going to be fun down the last four holes, I think it was. And then all of a sudden, uh, Shoffley puts one in the drink too. And then that two-stroke was back to a four-stroke. But then it still came down to the wire, and Matsuyama only won by one. So, like, it, it – ends up always coming down to the end and just such a special course historically, you know, again, everything we talked about with Steve last week, is it easier because you know, the course is the same every year. Is it harder because you know, the course is the same every year and you get in your head about it. Um, it's a beautiful course. Everybody brings their A game. The field is always great. And PJ, you'll go into more elaborate reasons once you probably have that at number one. But number four for me, and, and it's always a fun day that Worm never experiences. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Masters is easily, I said this to you guys already, it's easily the biggest event that I care the least about. I yeah. just, I, I love actual golfing. I've gone with PJ. He's seen me. Uh, he knows how, how bad I am. Yeah, I have a great time regardless. I just haven't gotten into it on, on my television screen just yet. Uh, may, maybe, maybe as I get older, I'll, I'll age into it. What's your number three? <laughs> My number three, I'm actually going to one up PJ here. It's not the divisional round. It's super wild card weekend. And it's oh. only because they added the extra <laughs> games. Why have four games if you could have six PJ? And, and I didn't like that they expanded the playoffs in the NFL this past season and going forward, but it did make for a really fun opening, opening round of the playoffs. And, and I do love championship Sunday is great. I love the anticipation of just like, you could get the Super Bowl. That's that's like we talked about before, almost even more fun for me than the Super Bowl itself. I love divisional round for all the reasons PJ mentioned. The the best teams are vulnerable. The teams that they're facing have already won a game. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. But give me the extra games. Give me three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, all playoffs, all high stakes, you know, big moments, um, you know, important legacies on the line. Um, I, I'm putting that from number three is super wild card weekend. In the I NFL. vehemently disagree with the inclusion Same. of that because wow. at the end of the day, week 17, or I guess now week 18 could have even more high stakes games than that can, and can produce even better games than wild card weekend can wild card weekend. I almost look at for me as catching my breath from a wild end to the season and then a great divisional week. So that, that week in between, like, I mean, do I still get up for that, like, 5 o'clock ESPN Houston Texans kick that we used to get every year? Sure. But, like, I don't know. I just – you go through the past few years of the NFL, you could probably pick out as many, if not more, intense, key, great games in Week 17 than there are in Wild Card Weekend. And Wild Card Weekend just produces way too many duds. I didn't, I didn't put it first, that well, first, first of all, you want to talk about duds week 17, two thirds of the, of the games every year on the, in the last week of the season are duds. Even if there are some really great games. Okay. Well. Two thirds <laughs> of them are duds. That means one third of them are high, key, high stakes important. And that's about the same amount of games as there are in wildcard weekend. Se second of all, I didn't pick wildcard weekend. I picked super, super wildcard wild card weekend. Same thing. <laughs> I will, I will also say that if we could get even more specific, 
the day after your NFL team wins a playoff game, you're just going to have to imagine this one, Joe. The day after your, your favorite team wins a playoff game, that is like maybe number one on the entire calendar. I didn't get into that specifics because like obviously like the Ravens don't win every single year. But like if they play on Saturday, that Sunday is just pure bliss. It's tied with March Madness. Like if your team wins on a Thursday, that Friday 100%. when you're watching games is fantastic. 100%. But uh, my thing with Wild Card Weekend is kind of what Joe was saying. I, look, more football, more good football is great. I'm not going to argue with that. But like he said, there's just too many duds. I mean, this year we had Saints-Bears, and we knew the Bears weren't going to win that game. We had Washington and Tampa. We knew Washington wasn't going to win that game. Now, you might get an upset here and there like Cleveland against Pittsburgh, but divisional teams, and Pittsburgh was trying to beat them for a third time. And just that's the other thing. It's a game that so many times you get a divisional game where it's like, all right, we've seen that twice already this year. So it's nothing nothing special like, you know, you're not going to see – um, so, so Joe, you uh, never watch the rubber match of a series because you've already seen the game twice. No, I do. But like, in it's, for me, like so, what makes the playoffs so great is you get those, you know, that Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees crossover matchup. Like, you know, that, that's what puts it over the top instead of seeing Aaron Rodgers play the Bears again. Like, all right, cool. It's the playoffs now. The stakes are higher. They split the regular season. But I've seen it twice. I know the Packers are probably going to win. Give me the following week the great quarterback matchup of Rogers breeze or Rogers Brady instead. So that's my, favorite. um, my number three. So when we were texting going back and forth, I did not include this, but I'm thinking of my list and I'm thinking of days I love. And I'm like, this, this is a top three day. So you guys know that March madness, the first two days will be my number one, but my number three, probably the best day of the entire college basketball season is Thursday of championship week. When you have eight days, eight games at noon you have 40 games at 7 o'clock Eastern and 50 at 9.30 Eastern. It's just when all the conference tournaments are going on and you can flip to 17 different networks and find any kind of game you want. We all love the first two days of the tournament because of how jam-packed it is and all the upsets that we see and all the great games. Look, Champ Week is really it's that. It's not as high stakes quite, but – the volume of it, how many teams there are, the familiarity with each team. I just, I love that Thursday when I could sit on my couch from noon, if I'm not working, to two in the morning and just watch bowl all day. And uh, it's it's a great, great day. Friday's good is good as well. But Thursday, a lot of those leagues, the Big Ten, the SEC, uh, the AAC, all those teams that have their conference tournaments on Sunday – have quarterfinal day on Thursday, so uh, or have the uh, second round on Thursday, quarterfinals Friday. So I love, I love Thursday, champ. All right, so I go off the board here a little bit in your guys' eyes for my number three, and it's a, it's on the sports calendar, but it's quadrennially on the calendar. Um, it is when the European Soccer Championships and the Copa America sync up in years, which used to be every twelve years because the Copa America used to be. Um, every three years played and Euros is every four years, but in order to kind of streamline the calendar for the players themselves uh, and for the club teams, they have now synced up where always every four years, the Euros and the Copa America will be in the same year. And that's this, it was supposed to be last year with COVID pushed to this year um, because you get when that day, when that tournament starts. So, so my day that I'm picking is the first day or the first couple of days kind of as one of that, when those, tournaments sync up because you get uh the euros with the time difference i'm watching those games at nine or a seven nine eleven and one and then copa america being that it's in south america that starts at like four and it's like four six eight and ten so the entire day every other hour you're getting a new game starting and actually the reason i picked the first day of it or the first couple days of it is because with all the groups you have you usually have two games on in each time slot um so it's just a full day of incredible international soccer and i and so many people which is why this whole european super league thing that i'm sure you guys saw but didn't fully grasp was just totally destroyed is that a lot of these owners want to make club soccer the central part of it it will always be international soccer because at the end of the day these players care 10 times more about 
putting on their country's jersey and representing their country. And when you get a full day of about 14 to 16 games, depending on the schedule, and it's all spaced out from morning to night because it's Europe and then South America, it's a great day. It's every four years, um, still on the sports calendar, but quadrennially instead of annually. And that is number three for me. I know a lot of your listeners just listen and don't watch these episodes on YouTube, but for those who, who do do this audio only, that sound you heard was my eyes glazing over during that entire- <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to have to take your word show. for it. I, I have no, no opinion, no reaction. Like, Same. Like, I'm glad that that is really important to you, Joe, and, and people should like things, and I'm glad that you really like that day, but- that's uh, that's all you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was waiting to pull that one out because just when you thought you wouldn't have any clue or be able to chime in about our masters conversation, yeah. <laughs> I was going to one up it and have something that neither of you would be able to chime in on. You you are correct in that. Oh, yeah. I, I I cannot contribute to that conversation whatsoever. Um, m- m- my number two is not going to be a surprise to you guys. It is the uh, you know opening round of the NCAA tournament, usually Thursday Friday, although this year is Friday Saturday. Um, if, if I had to pick one day, I know we're grouping them together. I do think Thursday is the better day. It's just Same. that sort of like, it's where the anticipation is building up to. You finally have it. Friday is always like, oh, can it live up to Thursday or, yeah. or, or you know, whatever. So they're, they're both great days, obviously. And I think I like what PJ was saying about championship week. And I think he's right in that that is sometimes like just as, as, as exciting. And, and, and as he said, jam-packed, you know, full of a day. I think championship week is more like a true college basketball fans favorite day. Yeah. Whereas the NCAA tournament is more eventized. It's, it's similar to the Super Bowl in that, that aspect where casual fans will get together to watch it. And, and I like that event feeling. I like the fact that, you know, championship week, I have it on, you know, in the background, I'm trying to follow the games all day. I'm not taking work off for it. I'm taking work off for Thursday yeah. and Friday. I'm going to, to Buffalo wild wings or, or wherever I'm meeting with friends. I'm, I'm setting up four TVs in my basement. I was doing whatever I can to watch every second of that. And, and, you know, I don't fill out brackets for championship week. I fill out brackets for the NCAA tournament. It's fun to follow your own teams and your own picks, um, sort of that fantasy feeling again. But I mean, obviously missing it last year was, was truly devastating. Um, and, and especially with, with how good we all thought Maryland, you know, how well we thought they were going to do last year, getting it back this year was great. And um, it's, it's, that is one of the most universally beloved days in the calendar, and it's deservedly so. It is. Everything you said, I agree with. That's why it's my number one. But uh, my two is is Master Sunday. As a golf fan, I mean, it's it's a great day. It really is just a great day. <laughs> the best golfers in the world. Um, which, I mean, look, Matsuyama had a six-shot lead with nine holes to play. He ends up winning by one. The best thing about that course is that it's just the ebbs and flows of it. So, like, the first and second and third hole, you got birdies opportunities. Four, five, and six are tough holes. Seven, eight, nine, you can do some scoring on. Ten, eleven are some tough holes. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen are some scorable holes. Sixteen as well, and then seventeen and eighteen are some tough holes. So, it's that up and down. It's why you see the leaderboard fluctuate with all kinds of different scores and Guys passing certain guys, but it's a great day. The history of the day and just what it means. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it just goes together. It just sounds right. Like a master's Sunday. It just, it's, it just flows smoothly. And uh, it is my number two. And like PJ, my number one is going to be the first two days of the NCAA tournament. And so we don't need to continue talking about that. All the reasons are obvious and laid out already. Um, my number two, and it's interesting that we have, just about every round of the NFL playoffs covered except the Super Bowl, assuming worm, you're not picking that as number one and assuming you're going to pick opening day of the MLB season. Um, we all have a day in the playoffs. That's not the same one minus championship Sunday, because <clears throat> at the end of the day, all right, I already tore through super wild card weekend. Divisional week is fun. It's really good, but you're still, again, it's, it's not quite, the caliber of championship Sunday, you have more games and maybe like just hypothetically on a scale from one to 10, those four games are maybe all coming in at a seven in terms of like the anticipation and the quality of the teams, but championship week, you have two Super Bowls essentially. I mean, you have two Super Bowl caliber matchups and the only reason they're not Super Bowls in and of themselves is because they're in the same conference and you have to play each other to get to the Super Bowl. Um, But 
you know, those, you know, this year it was Rodgers and Brady and then it was the Chiefs and the Bills and that game didn't quite live up to it. And every year you, you get sometimes if it doesn't live up to it, but it's almost just like the anticipation of that game. And when magic does happen in that game, like when the Chiefs and the Patriots went to overtime and Brady got the coin toss and scored the touchdown, like those games always stick out. And you talk about the legacies worm and in Super Bowl wild card weekend of, of, you know, who might lose early, who's going to further their chances. Well, that's the legacy maker right there because, you know, yes, you count rings in the end of the day, but when rings are close, then you talk about who has made it to more Super Bowls and has at least got his team there. So it's not easy to win a Super Bowl, um, even though Tom Brady makes it seem so easy. You know, when we're talking now about, you know, debating Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, which is not a debate in any capacity ever because Eli Manning is way overrated and not that great. But when people want to bring that debate up and want to say their rings are both there, well, then it's okay, but Roethlisberger also made it a couple more times. Look how many more championship games he's been to. So legacy-wise, it's a huge game, and you get two Super Bowl-caliber matchups. So for me, that is my favorite day of the NFL calendar. And like PJ, number one for me on the sports calendar overall is the first two days of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on the on Championship Sunday. I think you, you made a lot of great points, and I, I love it. If we were building this out to a top 10, it easily would have been on there. I, I like it for the same reasons you do. I, I think pretty much across the board for all sports, I tend to like that Championship Sunday better than the Super Bowl. I like the Final Four better than the National Championship game. I really even like the League Championship Series in baseball better than the World Series. I love I love the, the step to get to the actual title, and I think a lot of fans recognize that you know, especially with the Super Bowl, in an individual game, it's kind of fluky. Anything can happen. Whereas just getting there feels like an accomplishment, and you get and to you see get two, two weeks. teams do that. Yeah, and you get and you get two weeks to enjoy it because they get the bye week. So, um, you talk about the Thursday of the NCAA tournament when your team wins, and you talk about um, what was the other one you said, PJ? When you get in to, the win, oh, win a playoff oh, yeah, game. when you win a playoff yeah. game um, in the wild card round, and you get to enjoy it the next day. Um, you win championship week and you have two weeks to just bask in that glow about it until the Super Bowl. Like on the flip side of that, when the Jets lost back-to-back championship games, those two years for me, I had two weeks to just see Colts being talked about going up to the Super Bowl and all that. And just, yeah, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. The Colts are then the Steelers the following year. So yeah, it's brutal. Well, yeah. I will. Yeah, go ahead, Worm. I'll get to my number one real quick. I'll just run through the honorable mentions. You know, I did have Championship Sunday on there. I had the American League Championship Series on there. I had NFL Divisional Round on there. The one that we haven't really touched on yet that I have honorable mention is actual Selection Sunday. Um, To me, it's so, again, a day without actual games, although there are games in the afternoon, I guess. Um, but, But the actual night of Selection Sunday, when you first get that bracket, you get to fill it out. You get to start reading all the regional breakdowns, start listening to all the podcasts. Like, that's just fun. I don't care who you are. I'm giddy with anticipation every Selection Sunday. It's a great hour of television when they don't drag it out over the course of several hours. Um, and it's just great to, to, uh, to start the analysis that week. Um, number one, not going to surprise anybody who's ever spent five minutes with me. It's opening day, Major League Baseball. It was never going to be anything else. It will never be anything else as long as I live. For all the reasons that people like to wax poetic about opening day every year, like, yes, give me all of that. I agree with every single one of them. Hope springs eternal. It's just so much fun. Weirdly, the Orioles win a lot on opening day, even when they're not very good. I know PJ kind of joked about that earlier, but like, they do win a lot of opening day games, which just is even more fun for me, even when they're bad. And it's like, okay, I don't really care if they're tanking. You know, I still like winning that first one. It's a great time. And, and, you know, I've heard some people say that day two of the MLB season is the real day for baseball fans. Cause that's when it's like, it's back all the casual, you know, normies aren't there anymore. I, I disagree. I mean, it's great. I love having baseball every night. That's part of what makes it awesome. But, but opening day is like, it's just special. And, and, Part of it, I know this is a podcast, so you're supposed to be descriptive and use your words, but part of it is indescribable. Like there's just something about opening day for any sports fan, anybody who's ever played baseball, cared about baseball. When it comes in the calendar, I think helps a lot of that too. Like I said, sort of that hope springs eternal feeling. It does feel like summer's right around the corner when when you start playing baseball. And 
there, there's just nothing like it. Like I said, it will always be my number one, and and nothing is even in the same tier for me. It's, Worm it's Selection Sunday was there. a great call. I didn't even think about that. Selection that, Sunday. that honestly might be in the top three. I, well, because well, you also do get games. You get like Big Ten title game. You get some of these, these fun and important matchups. And then you get all the fun analysis that night. That's, that's, and the, that's a good one. The anticipation. I mean, just when it's, it's great when they're going through the bracket. And like this year, like you knew Maryland was going to be anywhere from like a nine seed to an 11 seed. So when that turn in the bracket would come, you're like, oh, is this where they're going to be? Yeah. No. Okay, well, now you got to wait till the next region to find. So I just, I love all that. Um, opening day was my number six. I thought it would be in, in five, right but then once I slotted the, the stuff, I'm like, just misses the cut. Seven for me was uh, the New Year's Day. I love the playoff games in college football, the Rose Bowl, the two semifinals games. And plus you get the, uh, the Winter Classic, the outdoor hockey game, which is always cool. And then number eight for me, which is a day that, flies under the radar which is usually a great great day and it's also coming up is the first Saturday in May you always have the Kentucky Derby you in a normal year you have NHL and NBA playoff games you have baseball and then if you guys remember that was the night of the Pacquiao Mayweather fight usually there are great fights that that night they love they love that time slot of the year so first Saturday in May is just there's something for everybody which I love about it it's always a good day um, so, so those were my honorable another mention. honorable mention for me that hasn't been mentioned yet is actually the first day of NBA free agency, because you know, that the season means pretty much nothing, especially considering that the players don't care about it. Most of them and take nights off. Um, so the regular seasons are usually a dud more so than other postseasons. The playoffs are usually a dud until the conference finals where you have sweep after sweep. Um, and then the finals are great, but usually it only really matters depending on which stars make it. So the season and the postseason itself are not the main attraction for the NBA. What's so attractive about it is all the player movement. So that first day of free agency, when my phone just keeps going nuts with tweet notifications from Shams and Woj, like that's a fun day. Honorable mention, another one where there are no games played, but it's a fun one too. That, that's a great poll, Joe. And, and I will add it. If we dial back the clock 10 years, I mean, at this point, MLB free agency isn't what it used to be. Everything just drags on and, and teams that want to play their players. No longer that, a hot stove. It's more of like a lukewarm, easy bake-up. Exactly. That, that's a whole other long podcast for the three of us. But, but winter meetings, those first couple of days, Monday, Tuesday, mm. the winter meetings was like, I can remember in college just following like, are the Orioles going to get Prince Fielder? The Orioles are interested in Prince Fielder. They're talking to Prince Fielder. Chris Fielder never played in Baltimore. It never happened. I don't even care. It was just so much fun to imagine and, and, and try and come up with all these different lineup combinations. Like, oh, well, if they add Prince Fielder and then trade for so-and-so, it's just a really fun day. And it's sort of the same idea as NBA free agency, but it's, I like that they're all in the same place and it's, you just have rumors flying all day, every day, like getting notifications all day long, following on Twitter. And that doesn't really happen anymore, which is a shame, but like 10 years ago, winter meetings is absolutely up there for me as well. It's this not a bad one. It's this just not, not the same anymore. So I, Also, I like how when you guys texted me, you said, hey, do you want to come on for 10 minutes to <laughs> yeah. talk about this? <laughs> that was probably ambitious. I mean, we knew we were <laughs> going to start getting into it. And like I said, this week was a good week to do it. We were considering taking the week off this week just because, um, we like, like I said, we set the stage for the NBA and the NHL stretch run the last two weeks last week. Uh, next week will be all the NFL draft talk. It's too early in the MLB season to really analyze anything. Teams have played, you know, a dozen, dozen and a half games. So there really isn't anything big. So we thought about taking the week off and we were like, you know what? Let's have a fun episode. Let's go through this. And what was supposed to be 15 turned into 35. And that's okay because we don't have too much else to discuss anyway. So let's have a fun episode. So call Worm. (laughs) See you, Worm. Yes, as Worm said, you want a fun episode, we give him a call. And that's what we did. Um, yeah, just reiterating, like, there's not too much. We're still got some stuff to talk about. We're going to touch on some, some of our favorite parts of the NFL draft. We're going to save all our analysis for next week. We got to touch on the Knicks hot streak, the Yankees being absolutely awful to start the season. Maybe a little talk about the NBA MVP race as it's heating up as well. Um, but yeah, this was, this was a good kind of like take a breather week for us before next week we get the draft, a lot of it. Then the week after that, uh, we're going to get the postseason. We're, well, we're going to dissect what happened in the draft the following week. 
And then we get to the NBA and NHL playoffs starting the week after that. So this was our last like week to catch our breath and have some fun. So on that note, uh, PJ, getting into the NFL draft, what are some of your favorite aspects of it? I mean, there's a lot going on. There's trades. There's um, last year there was Roger Goodell on his chair eating his M&M and stuff like that. What are, what are some of your favorite parts every year with the draft? My favorite parts are the fan reactions when, uh, you know, a certain guy gets taken early on and obviously all the fans want a certain player and they don't go that way. Just seeing all the jerseys getting ripped and the hats yeah. getting thrown and the, just the punching motions in the air. Uh, that's always fun. I, you know, also last year was so great and the way they did it, we talked about that last week, how fun to see that aspect of it with people at their homes were. Um, but in a normal year, I mean, I just enjoy all the trades, all the chaos, you know, when you see on the ticker on your TV screen, like so-and-so has just traded with X team and now jumps up and you're like, oh man, they're going to go target this quarterback or they're going to go get this defensive player. The trades are always what makes it exciting because we have all these mock drafts and all these experts pick who they think is going to go to this team. And they have a few trades in there, but nobody really knows. And then quickly, once the first big monumental trade happens, all the mock drafts go to crap. And then, you know, it just, once a certain player gets taken, then all the ripple effects of that might've been the player that that team was eyeing. And now they have to go to plan B and plan B might've been who that team was eyeing. So I, I definitely love all the trading, all the fan reactions. That's fun. Um, And it's a good time, too. I also love now how they've incorporated in the second and third round some of these former players and legends making picks. That's always fun. Um, You get some, like, great, like, rants about things and and it's a lot of fun. Especially when they were, like, in the city of – in Philadelphia and you had, like, uh, some – or when they were in Dallas and you had, like, some Eagles guys reading it or they were in Philly and you had some Giants or Cowboys fans reading it. Yeah. That's always fun. So I've enjoyed that they've, uh, that they've done that stuff. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that next week. Tony Richardson, the old fullback who played with the Jets, he announced the pick one year, and he got up there, and he was like, J-E-T-E. Like, he spelt the chant wrong. So, like, you get some memorable moments. Um, there, there's so much going on, like you said, and that's what makes it so exciting. Um, are you a – well, I mean – my favorite parts are pretty much the same ones that you said, so I have nothing to really add there, uh, except I do also always love the big bear hug, and I'm glad that Goodell is vaccinated, so we do get that this year. You, you see people toss him like a rag doll. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I love that aspect of it. Are, now, I try to stay off Twitter. Do you try to stay off Twitter and let things happen as they do on the TV? Like, you see the trade graphic. You see – all right, breaking news from Adam Schefter, the camera goes over to him. Um, or do you do you scroll through Twitter to kind of try to stay ahead of the curve too? Uh, it's it's yes and no. Most of the time I stay off because I the don't Top want 10, to... I try to stay off and just enjoy the programming of it. That, that I'll say, the top 10, I try to stay as far away from my phone as I can. If anything, you know, because the picks in the first round take so long, they're like 12 minutes, maybe in like minute eight or minute nine I'm on just to see if there's any trade speculation going on but Schefter and Mort and Rappaport they're pretty good about not like in the NBA when Woj and Sham just ruined the entire draft for you Schefter's pretty good about uh, not tweeting out the picks too early every once in a while he might say this team's looking at this player and he actually might come on TV sometimes they might go to him in a reporting spot and Schefter might be like, there's been a lot of talk that the Denver Broncos are taking Patrick Sertan right here with the 10th pick. And then you know that, oh, okay, that's who they're going with. But for the most part, they do a good job of not ruining it. I try not to stay on my phone. I'm obviously texting a lot of my friends because they're interested yeah. of who's going. So, you know, once you go on your phone and you're texting people, then you go on Twitter and you're like, let me see what Twitter's yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And, all that and, and I, I totally buy that. I try to go on and see what the – speculation might be and i try to avoid because it's not those three guys are good about it but then you yes. have like the local reporters and stuff who might spoil things that's especially true. i know for like i don't follow local reporters outside of the jets local reporters so last year like i, I spoiled the makai beckton pick because i was scrolling through to see if there's any speculation about a trade and then one of the local guys had it jets are taking makai beckton so uh this year it's a little different for me where i know who the jets are taking it right. so there's no spoiler there um Around pick 12-ish, 
I'll start going on my phone because it slows down a little bit. And that's the point where you're not going to get really blockbuster trades, but you start getting teams jumping up five, six picks. And especially this year where the Jets are at 23 and the Jets have a war chest of draft picks. So if, you know, if someone like a Rashawn Slater on the offensive line or, or if somehow, some way Patrick Sertan is sliding out of the top 10 because he's just in the corner and it's all of a sudden pick 15, 16, like I'm going to be scrolling through to see if, oh, are the Jets coming up from 23? So I try to stay off, but once we get to the teens, I'll hop on there and start looking. And then after the first round, I mean, I'm scrolling through because the TV is like five picks behind. And I'm trying to see who got picked already, you know? So, right. um, but the first round, the first 10 picks, I try to keep it uh, a fresh surprise. And on that note, we've had a couple of trades already in the top 10. We had the Dolphins trade out of three for the Niners and got a ransom for it. And then use some of what they got to trade back up to six uh, with the Eagles. So just quick looking at the top 10. And again, next week, we'll dive way more into this. Next week's episode will come out in all likelihood on uh, Wednesday afternoon, if not Thursday morning, instead of waiting until Friday. Uh, so we'll get more into it then. But looking at it now, any spots that you're looking at where you say to yourself, hmm, that team might make a trade. And, and not even based on, based on people's reporting of it yet, if they have or haven't said anything, just your gut feeling looking at it, anything looking at, you know, Hey, they, they might be moving. Two teams. First one is new England. Um, I really think Mac Jones, if he doesn't go to San Francisco, that's a guy Belichick wants for sure. I definitely think he, he could want Justin Fields too. I just, after a year of Cam Newton, I think Belichick's just his kind of quarterback is a Brady in the sense of he wants a young guy who will manage his game. He wants his defense to win his team games. He wants a strong running game. He wants good special teams. He doesn't want anything too, too flashy. Fields is a great player, but I just don't think Belichick likes his teams going off script. I don't think he, he likes to be in control, as we all know. He's not the GM, but he is the GM. I mean, he yeah. controls everything. So I just I think if Mac Jones slides, if San Francisco does not take him, if Atlanta doesn't take him, if Denver doesn't take him, and he gets to the 10-11 range and he's still on the board, I think there's a good chance New England could jump up and get him. And Philadelphia, Joe, I mean, they've already made the move, but for me, trading that pick just – didn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end, they have a lot of holes. If you were to go through their roster, and one of my friends is an Eagles fan, if you were to go through their roster, as crazy as this might sound, top to bottom, they probably have a way worse roster than a team like the Jets. Their roster is horrendous. Not good. It's aging, and the cap space isn't there. So I could see why they did it to get the extra ammo. But at the same token – knowing the way the draft board looks this year and knowing what you need, assuming you're going with Jalen Hurts, and that seems to be the case, despite what Nick Sirianni said about playing rock, paper, scissors with guys yeah, on Hertz Zoom. And not, he yeah. Hurts is the quarterback. Flacco's um, not their quarterback. No, no. Uh, maybe next year, if Hurts doesn't work out this year, they look at a quarterback, and part of that is why they got the extra ammo in this trade. So next year you have more flexibility. But um, just – you're going to have probably Devontae Smith at six. You could have had Jamar Chase at six, Kyle Pitts at six, Jalen right. Waddle. Now right. with how far back you went, you might not have any of those guys there. It's Did Ertz resign with them? I don't um, feel like he did. I don't believe he did. Um, but you, you might have one of those guys fall now to where the Eagles are picking then at 12, but it's not as likely. It, it wouldn't be stunning to see all those guys go in the top 10 or at least at a, by 11 uh, I mean, Pitts is probably top five. Chase is probably top six. Devontae is probably top ten. And Waddle is already rising up the board to so where a lot of people, including myself, thinks he goes ahead of Devontae Smith. And I would definitely, personally, take him ahead of Devontae Smith myself. Um, no chance. What, Waddle crazy. over Smith? Oh, I would absolutely take Waddle. Oh, my God. That's we can, crazy. We can, we can go on record for this. Next this week. A, we'll we'll talk about this. Week. I'm taking Jalen Waddle to have a better career than Devontae Smith. And I love Devontae Smith. I just think in today's NFL where he has that potential Tyree kill explosiveness and stuff and more of that, I think he, depending on the situation too, but anyway, that's the next week conversation. Yeah. Um, 
The Eagles. Didn't Ertz make is still on, on the Eagles, by the way. Okay, irrelevant there. anyway, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, But the, no, that was my point. Is there's yeah. so many weapons there that they exactly. need? That's and, my point. Like he's he's irrelevant. So like, why would you waste that sixth pick? But um, there's. But they plenty. could. I mean, like you yeah. said, Smith or Waddle could be there at twelve for him, and then it'd they be, could it'd come out, out of this looking like geniuses getting one of the pass catchers anyway. But it's just a risk they took. And as far as what I had asked you with the other possible trades, I could see the Panthers moving now, depending on what the situation is. I could mm-hmm. see the Broncos trying to move up with the Lions uh, to get their quarterback a choice. I, I'm starting to think more and more the Falcons are staying put just because whether they want to stay put and take a quarterback to have someone to supplant Matt Ryan in a year or two, Trey Lance or something like that. Justin Fields is from there to sit a year, learn more, and then come in. Um, or whether they want to just go with a dangerous two tight end set of Hurst and Kyle Pitts. Like they have options. I think they're going to stay put, even though there's been that speculation. But then you start going in a couple teams after that. Like I said, you know, the Dolphins can move more. Um, the, the Broncos could try to pop up and get a quarterback. The Patriots, all those teams. I don't think there will be as much trading though, as people think there might be. I feel like every year we're like, Oh my God, we could have like four right. top 10 trades. And then we get nothing. So uh, if, if there's teams I'm looking at though, it's, it's those couple. And, and again, like part of the reason you might not see too much trading on draft night is because we've already seen two trades in the top 10. So like those teams in all likelihood aren't going to again trade. So one, two, and now three and six are pretty much set. You'd, you'd have to assume. So that kind of changes things a little bit as well. But uh, the Niners at three, uh, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Again, we'll get more into it as the week goes on next week with more reports coming out. But where are you leaning there? I think they're going Mac Jones. Uh, look, Vegas doesn't move their lines based on speculation. They always got some kind of insight. That's why they're Vegas. That's why their buildings keep growing. They keep building skyscrapers. Uh, last I checked, Mac was like minus 170, I think, to go three. Fields was like plus 150. So, I mean, they're giving you plus money with Justin Fields, which is going to be juicy to a lot of people. But as soon, you know, when they made the trade, I was thinking, oh, they're getting Fields. They might get Lance. And then I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah Orlovsky. Somebody was like, I've heard that San Francisco wants Mac Jones, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. That is the perfect fit. Um, As somebody who went to Alabama, watches all their games, two is better than Mac, but Mac had a much better season than Tua did. Mac played about as flawlessly as you could. Um, And when you turn on the tape, all the scouts say that. They're just obviously a little worried that, okay, outside of Alabama, when you have that O-line, when you have those receivers, when you have Najee, How are you going to look when you don't have that perfect system? But when he goes to San Francisco, he's going to have the perfect system. He's going to play in nice weather. He's going to play for one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Good running backs, good O-line, great receivers, a good defense to just complement his style of play. So it was always going to be the right situation with Mac. Fields is the flashier guy. He definitely has the more upside because – of his athleticism and his arm strength. And Lance and probably has the most upside out of all of them. He probably does. Yeah, he probably does. Um, but as just if, if the Niners want to win right away, if they're done with Jimmy G and they want a guy sliding in there and they don't want to miss a beat, which I think they do, uh, I, I would take Mac so Jones. Keeping, and Jimmy G, keeping Jimmy G is what made it interesting for me. Uh, they could always just turn around and trade him draft day or yeah. after the draft. But keeping him is what made it interesting for me because you know what their team's record is with him. They win games. And that's why Mac is so enticing because Mac is just basically an actually good Jimmy Garoppolo um, and fits Shanahan's system perfectly. Then again, who doesn't? I mean, Shanahan's system is flawless. and Anybody right. can fit it. Um, but the, them keeping Jimmy G and now all of a sudden sending a big contingent to the North Dakota State uh, – their, their most recent um, uh, pro day because Trey Lance had two of them. I'm getting – me personally, my gut is telling me it's Lance. Mm-hmm. I don't – for whatever reason, I don't think Fields is the fit. They're, you know, they didn't even send their, their main 
guys to their pro day because they their pro day was the same day as Alabama's and all the main guys went to Max Pro Day. Right. So I don't think it's Fields, but they sent everybody to the North Dakota State Pro Day as well, and they kept Jimmy G. And we know they could win with Jimmy G. They were a bomb to Emmanuel Sanders that was maybe three yards too long away from winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. So I think they're content to start him this year and go with the Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes model, sit Trey Lance for a year. And then by next year, Lance takes over and watch out for the Niners. Good luck against them. Um, That's the route that I think they're going. Uh, I actually did sprinkle a little bit on that because Trey Lance is plus 400 for that pick. Um, so, so I, I do, I don't know. I'm seeing smoke and where smoke there's fire. So I, I, I personally am leaning Trey Lance for that pick. And maybe that's me just wanting to see that there, because I think that would be an incredible pairing, uh, next year. Cause he wouldn't probably start this year, but there's plenty of intrigue there. And we will get into all of the NFL draft stuff next week. Like I mentioned at the top, not a ton in the other stuff we want to cover, uh, but what we do want to talk about is the two New York teams in two different sports going totally opposite directions. The New York Knicks have won eight straight and are in the four seed, which is bonkers. They're only three games behind the Bucks for the three seed. And the New York Yankees are at the bottom of the AL East. For all the talk that we had about this has to be the Yankees year, if not this year, when is it going to ever happen? They're going to run away with the American League. They probably still will. But seeing them at the bottom of the AL East for the first time in like 40 years at this stage of the season was ridiculous. So two New York teams, totally opposite direction. I love seeing the uh, Twitter memes of a soul for a soul. Like the Knicks (laughs) became good, but at what cost it took to sacrifice the Yankees. But that's, look, the Knicks, Julius Randle, um, he won't win NBA MVP, but, man, he deserves some votes. He's got most improved player locked up. I don't most think – Most improved player I, I is mean, that is a wrap. NBA MVP, I mean, if you're talking about a most valuable player, him and Steph Curry, we know Clay went down and the number Steph has been putting up is ridiculous in the Western Conference. But Julius Randle, I mean, the pressure of playing in New York with how bad that franchise has been with – I mean, how many players, how many guys could uh, could people name on the Knicks coming well, into the, the season? So, so yesterday I was listening to um, to the ESPN app, to New York Radio, and it was Alan Hahn and Bart Scott's show, and they made a great point. It was Bart Scott who actually made it. Um, they were talking about the Coach of the Year debate with Thibodeau, Quinn Snyder, and, and Monty Williams with the Suns, Jazz, and the Knicks. Yeah. And Bart Scott brought up a great point. If you were, if you were to put – all three of those teams, players into a pool and draft a team of 10, how many players would be Knicks? Just one. one. Yeah. Probably just Randall. Just Probably one. only with, with the rotation that Suns have, with the talent the Jazz have. If you were to put all those guys into a pot and draft 10 of them, Julius Randall is probably only Nick that gets selected. Maybe, maybe Barrett gets in there too, but probably just Randall, or at least Randall's the only one who's even considered to be a starter. Maybe you take Barrett for the bench, but the only one you're considering to be a starter on that combination of those three teams is Julius Randall. So that's why he's in the conversation. I don't think he'll win it. No. Uh, I think it's definitely Jokic's award because, you know, we always have this debate is it most outstanding player with the best stats or is it most valuable? And this year, you kind of have a combination of both of those with Jokic. His numbers are ridiculous. Uh, your best avail- your best ability is availability. He has not missed a single game for the Nuggets in a season where guys are taking nights off left and right. Yep. While Murray's out now, he's still coming out there every night and dominating. Uh, he's definitely winning the award, and he's deserving. But like you said, Randall deserves votes. Curry deserves votes. And it's great to see this with the Knicks. I mean, you know, I've said it. You, you are a Wizards fan, kind of. It's not your most passionate out of all the teams you root for. For me, the NBA is the one league where I don't have a team and I just enjoy the league and want to be entertained night in, night out. And the Knicks are doing a great job of that. I love seeing them successful because when the Garden can have full capacity, there's no place better than Madison Square Garden. I wish, of all the things right now, missing spectators, there are 2,000 a night for the Knicks and it sounds like there's 12,000. I wish the Garden could be a full house right now. Yes. This, which they have not experienced since Lynn Sanity in 2013. So, or 2012 going back then um, it's been, it's been an incredible ride. And I don't know that they make it far in the playoffs. They probably end up playing the Celtics in round one and probably losing like five or six. 
But, hey, I mean, this team is cool again and fun again. And you saw what happened with the Nets. They had a team of pretty much nobodies. They made the playoffs, and that's what led Kyrie and KD wanting to join them because they already had a great foundation. The Knicks have been a dumpster fire the past few years, but now they're a four seed, and they have a player like Randall and a coach like Thibodeau, and things are trending up. Now you're going to want to, you're going to see players wanting to join them all of a sudden. We've seen already on a given night, Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard and Devin Booker tweeting about the Knicks while they have nights off and are watching the Knicks. So something brewing there. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch whenever they're doing well, it's good for the NBA. Most, I mean, almost every NBA player you talk to their favorite road arena. Oh, Zion. Yeah. I forgot about the Zion interview the other night. I don't know if you, did you see the Zion? Yes. Yep. Yep. Zion said it's his favorite place to play. MJ, Kobe, they all said it was their favorite place. It's just LeBron's favorite place to play. It's, it's the Mecca. And now that the Knicks are good, it's going to pique a lot of people's interest. Julius Randle is just the numbers he's putting up and credit to Tom Thibodeau because he was great in Chicago. And then he kind of lost that team. He got fired. He went to Minnesota tried to reinvent himself, didn't, but now he's found a nice home with New York. And with just these combination of veterans and young players, they're making it work and the city is rallying behind them. Um, But it is crazy that they're playing so well and the Yankees are struggling and the Yankees, they can't hit. And we thought the problem with the Yankees would be their starting pitching and their starting pitching has actually been pretty good. It's been okay. It's been okay. Outside of Garrett, outside of Garrett Cole, it's been spotty. But Garrett Cole's been dominant. Um, but the but yet, I mean, there was talk about optioning Glaber Torres the yes. other day to start working on some things because he's just not right. Like struggle and his defense too, hitting bad. defense. Judge hasn't really done much. LeMayu's been okay, but with DJ, you expect his average to be in the three thirties, and it's just mm-hmm. in the mid two. But, but here's the thing with the Yankees, with all that talent you know it's going to come together. It's just that – look, last year in that shortened season, we saw them have a – or maybe not the shortened season, but the, the season prior, excuse me. Uh, the season prior when it's still a full season, we saw them lose like 13 or 14 games in a 20-game stretch. When you have bats like that, they're going to all get hot at the same time, and they're probably all going to slump at the same time. Yeah. And that's when you have to just kind of – take it on the chin, deal with the media pressure, deal with the fans booing you. Cause you know, probably by May 10th, all the bats that are quiet now are going to be putting up 10 runs a night. And we're going to be forgetting this conversation ever happened. So that's the thing with them. You know, it'll come around, but just didn't think it'd be this bad this early. And the thing with them too is, all right, so the Yankees are struggling, but is there a team in the AL right now that you're like, oh, they're going to beat them come October? I mean, the Red Sox look great, but come October, yeah, their lineup's good. I still don't trust their pitching. Um, The AL West, how about Oakland? They got off to a one and seven start. They won nine in a row. Now they're like 11 and eight or something. So they're back on track. But again, in the West, like Seattle's hot right now, but you know, Seattle's probably going to fizzle out. The Angels, Astros, and the A's, they're kind of all right there. In the Central, the White, it's jumbled up too. Kansas City, Cleveland, Chicago. So that's the thing. I think the Yankees are playing in the best division in the American League. Their big issue is that they can't beat Tampa. I mean, this is a problem that's happened for the last couple of years. Tampa came into the Bronx, swept them. They can't beat the Rays, and the Rays aren't even the best team in that division right now. So they got to figure that out. They've struggled, too, with Toronto, and Toronto's only going to get better when they get Springer back. So while I think the Yankees are going to be okay, there is a little bit of concern with their division because they can't beat Tampa. Toronto's going to get better. And you think with the Red Sox pitching that it's going to fizzle out at some point. But then again, when the weather gets warm, their bats are probably going to get even already better than they are. So... The Yankees will be fine, but uh, th- their division is good. Toronto's as good as we thought they would be. Tampa's still doing their thing. The Red Sox are better than maybe we thought they would be. So the AL East will be a pretty good race all season. Not bad if you want to sprinkle some money on them. They have now gone from heavy favorites to plus 100. And again, probably they come out of this and they probably still win the division. But yeah, I mean, like you said, everybody else has played better than we thought and they've been a lot worse than we thought. So who knows? April's always a tough month. Look, to they still play the anything. Orioles 15 times. So there's 14 yeah, wins there's right 14 there. Wins. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get on track. 
Yeah, they'll, um, they'll absolutely get on track. All right, Joe. It looks like it's time for some trivia, unless you got anything else that uh, you want to talk about. Like all we right. said, restore everything next week. Draft, all yeah. draft, and then after that, we recap the draft, and then the following week, it sets up nicely. We get the playoffs starting. So this week was our have some fun week, and then back to business the next couple. So you're up seventeen, sixteen. You got your trivia question right last week. I got By a the good- skin of my teeth last week, and that was just I oh, mean, that's right at the broke of luck. That was yes. with the. Uh, the world golf rankings and me having not checked them after the, after the masters, but that was very good. <laughs> um, I got a good one for you this week, NFL draft related. So excluding the, uh, the last two drafts. So um, excuse me, excluding last year's draft. So the okay. draft with Burrow, Herbert, yeah. Tua, and Jordan Love. So from 2017 to 2019, so uh, the last four years, can you name the four quarterbacks from the past four drafts who were taken in the first round and are currently not with their teams right now? Okay, so so you said excluding the 2020 draft. Correct, correct. So, the, so 2017, 18, and 19. Those are the three yep, four where you're quarterbacks living. not with their team anymore. Correct. Okay. Yep, go ahead. Uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. That is correct. 2018, both of those. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. 2017, correct. Just First round, one. guys. Um, okay, so that year it was Trubisky, Mahomes, 75 seconds Watson. Um, the following year was the Donald year. It was Baker, Donald, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Rosen. Was there a sixth in there? I don't think so. 2017 was Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes. I already said that. Um, 2018. Yeah, 45 seconds left. Gosh, twenty eighteen. Rosen, I thought was going to be the toughie for you, but ah, no, that was easy. Darnold's class. Um, so yeah, you gosh, who am I? Twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen was? Is somebody already not on the? Oh, Dwayne Haskins, twenty nineteen. There you go. I was like, Haskins. I was like, wait a minute, is there somebody from twenty nineteen who's already not on their team? Yes, Dwayne Haskins. There it is. Well done. Yeah, there it is. I, I thought Rosen was going to be the toughie, um, but. He was in the class with Darnold, so you got that. Once yeah. you got that right off the bat, I'm like, oh, he's going to get this. Yeah, yeah. So well done. That was – yeah, only because of Darnold I got that one. All right, mine is also NFL draft-related for you. Um, everybody can name the top picks of the draft. That's the easy part. So, in the last five years – so, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. I want you to give me seven of the ten guys – who were taken second or third. You got that? So in the so last, in the last five drafts, in the last five drafts, there have been five number two picks and five number three picks. So 10 total. Everybody right. can name the first pick. It's always tougher to sometimes remember who was two and who was three. Sure. Um, so give me seven of the 10 number two slash number three picks of the last five years. All right. So last year, uh, I don't remember who two was, but Okuda was three. Okuda was three. Um, the year before that, where Kyler was one, um, Bosa, one of the Bosas, or both Bosas, one, two of the years, right? Yes, Don't you Nick, Nick and Bosa, Joey? Nick Bosa was 19. Joey was three in 2016. Okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see. That's the three already ba- with 30 seconds in. The Baker year, uh, Saquon. Saquon was two. two. And, uh, let's see. There got to be some tackles or some D linemen up there. Um, Miles Garrett. Let's see. Halfway through, forty-five seconds gone. Still got all your strikes, and you got four of the seven already. All right, well, so four of the ten, but four of the seven you need. Who was the two last year? It was uh, Burrow. And then I feel like it was some offensive lineman. Or maybe it was a defensive player. Wow. Can't think of that. 15 seconds. Uh, oh, Chase Young, duh. Chase Young, there you go. Um, Two more. You got 10 seconds. Two more. 
Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get the last two. Um, Baker's year. That's time. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so I'm, I, Chase Young, you did with that one what uh, Chris Miller did with the UNC one, where you were caught up on it so long it took you away from everything else. So you got I know. 20. Last year was a year where it was kind of the three Ohio State guys with Burrow, even though he wasn't last at Ohio State, Chase Young, and then Jeff Okuda. 2019, it was Kyler Murray. Then it was Nick Bosa and then Quinn and Williams. Cute. And then 20 I – thought, I thought you would get Q because he was your yeah. guy and yeah. my yeah. Jets guy. Uh, 2018 – you got Barkley. The third pick was Sam Darnold that year. Um, I thought you would have gotten that. And in 2017, you had Mitch Trubisky and Solomon Thomas. And then 2016, you had Carson Wentz and Joey Bosa. Yeah, that's true. Golf went one, Wentz. Tom, yeah, Solomon Thomas, I would not have remembered. Uh, Trubisky, though, that's right. Yeah, I mean, the two Jets guys, Williams and Dol- Yeah, that, that's why I said seven. I figured you'd get both of last year's. I figured you'd get Bosa and Quinn Williams. I figured you'd get Barkley and Darnold. It would have just been a matter of pulling one of the other four guys from 17 from 16, which you did. You pulled Bosa, but you missed out on the other guys. So. Good question. All right, yeah, that was good. Chase right, Young, I just, we got a two-question lead now. 18, you do. 16. I know you're up two. That's good. <laughs> oh, Chase Young. I couldn't. I knew Okuda went three, and I could not remember who went two. And then I'm like, oh yeah, both Ohio State guys. I got to pick up another good draft question next week. I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it Ravens draft related for you next week, and you make it Jets draft related for me next week. Let's Done. That. Let's All right, that. that works. Thanks again to Worm for joining us. Episode 46 in the books. A lot of draft-heavy talk next week. We'll be controlling the conversation, and uh, we'll talk about it then. Should be fun. Oh, yeah. One of the best days of the calendar as we are finally working.